Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And I'm Brianna Jones. And welcome to Ooky Spooky Musicals with Cheese. <laughs> a spooky show where I try to get Andrew and Bree to like musical theater. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. Wow, you're, uh, <laughs> you're really doing something there. You're really uh, putting a lot of effort in. How are you doing, Andrew? Well, I'm I'm actually doing uh, really well. You you got us to watch uh, an actually good show this week. Yeah, I mean, I've had a rough week though. What, what what's going on with you, bro? You're not gonna fucking believe this. I've been planting like nonstop. Johnny Appleseed over here. You yeah, starting an I... apple orchard of your own. <laughs> Yeah, and some kid just jumped out of a tree. It was really weird. No. <laughs> Close the book on that. Um, and I found this new breed of fly trap, and it, it keeps trying to get me to feed it blood. So, of course, I had to kill a bunch of people. And I'm starting I mean, to feel... you gotta. You gotta. I gotta. Because um, he said I might get my Richard Suckle, and I, I need that in my life. So, mm. I did it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I might have girl bossed a little too close to the sun here. How many people, Jess? Well, there's this girl I like, and I, 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 I he, he kind of killed himself. I just didn't help him. Does that really make me culpable for his murder? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then there's this other guy, my boss, who's also sort of my dad. Um, he was going to turn me into the police for that first murder, and I was like, hey, why don't you look in that plant? And then the plant did most of the work. I don't think I did anything mm. there. I didn't stop uh, it, but... It kind of feels like you actually directed it um, all to happen, and you knew it would happen, and you did it anyways. Uh, also... It sounds like your dad was doing the right thing if he was going to turn you in for a murder. You know what? I I, I don't need this right now. I'm having a rough week, so let, let well, me. Who t- else did you kill? Oh God, <laughs> well, this one's really rough. Um, so you know that girl I liked? She went over there, and then the plant just attacked her. Too bad where she was about to die, but not so soon that she couldn't get a last bit of a song out. 
Hmm. But I mean, the plant promised you that you'd get your your Richard suckled, and it feels like this <laughs> is actually getting in the way. So I had to kill her. I I fed her to the plant because what am I gonna do with this body? Um, you're making bad choices here, my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I hear they're gonna like mass produce this plant. So shit, what am I gonna do now? I'm well, standing here just... like about to end the universe, and I never got my Richard suckle. I guess you're just gonna have to uh, profit off of the plant. Ah, you're right. Capitalism all the way. You. You can't defeat the means of production. All right. Little shop of horrors. <laughs> on, on to the mass exploitation of the working class. <laughs> this week we're talking about little shop of horrors, and you're going to, I can hear you say it right here. You, you've already done that. Well, fuck you. It's Halloween. What other Halloween musicals you got? Um, we're doing the real one this time. We cheated last time. We'll explain that later, but this time we're going to focus on the Pasadena Playhouse revival um, from a couple years ago starring George Salazar and MJ Rodriguez. All right, let's get into it. Cue the music, Bree. Little Shop of Horrors is a musical with music by Alan Menken and lyrics and book by Howard Ashman. May he rest in peace. It is based on The Little Shop of Horrors by Roger Corman, and it premiered um, off-off-Broadway on May 6, 1982 at the workshop of the Players Art Foundation, WPA Theater, playing there until June 6, 1982. It opened off-Broadway at the Orpheum Theater in Manhattan's East Village on July 27, 1982. It ran for five years, when it closed on November 1st, 1987, after 2,209 performances. It was the third longest-running musical and the highest-grossing production on, in off-Broadway history. And never, it very well could have transferred to Broadway, but Howard Ashman thought it felt more right as be an off-Broadway show, and he was right, as we would learn in the 2003 revival on Broadway. The plot of Little Shop of Horrors is, in this campy musical based on the 1960s cult classic horror film, Nerdy Seymour, a florist clerk, buys and nourishes a Venus flytrap-like plant, which he names for his beloved co-worker Audrey. The plant ultimately grows big enough to devour everything in its path. Alright, so Andrew, why don't you explain how we cheated last time, the first time we did this show? Oh, I just watched the movie. Yeah, um, we just lied to you. So, well, I, I think in the episode we're like, yeah, in the stage show, and then I'm just doing all the talking, and then it's we true. talk about the movie, and then suddenly Andrew's piping up a lot more. So, Andrew was very lazy in the first, let's say, 15 or so episodes of Musicals with Cheese. I liked the movie a lot. The movie, I think, is still the best version of this, but... The stage show's pretty good, too. <laughs> I think it goes to show how good an adaptation can be. So, you've seen the movie first, and now you've watched the Pasadena Playhouse revival, which happened within, I think it was 2018? Um, um, no. Let me double-check this. Let me actually Google this instead of talking out my ass. They they uh, changed up the plant design, which I thought was very cool, actually. It was in 2019, um, October 2019. Um, so, so, yeah, the plant design is not really a flytrap in the most conventional sense of the word. 
it's like this pink, like viney based thing, which I think it's almost is more alien, which is maybe very effective. I, I thought it was very cool, and it almost felt like a uh, we know we're not going to outdo the movie, so let's just do something completely different, um, which I actually like. <laughs> um, I agree. I also love the casting. So George Salazar, who we know from Be More Chill, an amazing choice for Seymour, and he really nailed that part. Mm-hmm. MJ Rodriguez, um, I believe she is the first trans actress to play Audrey, and a lot of that innate transness comes into that character and re recontextualizes a lot of the words that come out of it. So things that were funny and say Ellen Green's mouth now come off very sincere, very sad, heartbreaking in MJ Rodriguez's mouth. Um, and the show itself has played a lot more dour and sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a show about a guy like murdering everyone he knows, so... <laughs> I mean, maybe it yes. shouldn't be the most upbeat show, but it's also very funny. I mean, we have a dentist that like is a sadomasochist. I still feel like it it has the humor there, um, but I feel like they're trying to be more sincere with the message, um, especially near the end. Yeah, and I think that works. I think that's a good idea. Um, a few years later, um, I think roughly at the same time, I think they actually opened around the same time. I, COVID has kind of r- destroyed my entire sense of timeline. <laughs> um, Off-Broadway, there was a revival of Little Shop of Horrors um, starring um, Jonathan Groff, Tammy Blanchard, and Christian Borle in the three main leads. Um, and Tom Allen Robbins as uh, Mushnick, um, who you might mm. remember from one of our past episodes. That production, yes. I think... That is just a clone of the original off-Broadway production with Howard Ashman um, without anything new. Except they they casted like a very conventionally attractive person as Seymour, um, which I think is always a bad idea. That's, that's never a good choice. And Jonathan Groff was first, and then he left the show like right before COVID. Um, and Jeremy Jordan, who you might remember as the one that gets his own number in a killer party about how attractive he is. Yeah, I do he remember that. He is now playing uh, Seymour. And I think both of them are terrible casting choices for that. Um, and I, I think this was all started by the Encore's 2013 production when Jake Gyllenhaal stepped into Seymour. Vocally, he did fine, but he's, like, the most ripped he's ever been in his life because he had just done Southpaw. He's got a full-ass beard going on. It just isn't right. It doesn't work at all. This is just... He's supposed to be, like, the nerd. He's supposed to look like us, Andrew. Probably more like you. I think I'm a little too ripped. (laughs) (laughs) You're more in the Mushnick category, sadly enough. Yeah, I think I would. Actually, we'd have a pretty good uh, Little Shop of Horrors cast right here. Mia Seabor, Bria as Audrey, and you as Audrey, too. (laughs) I thought I'd be Mushnick. Or Mushnick, whatever you'd prefer. Um, I think Mushnick is a funny character. I really like the song Mushnick and Son. Yeah, that's a song that wasn't in the movie, which is what you were used to. How'd you like the new songs that you aren't, that you didn't experience before? Not a huge fan of the gas song that drags on for like five minutes. Um, That is very performance based. Um, I will talk about that a little later, but continue. I wasn't a huge fan of that. 
I loved Mushnick and Son. Mushnick doesn't feel like he does that much in the movie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, giving him a little something. And it's funny, too. It's like, he doesn't really care, but now he's his son because he knows he needs the money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was funny. It um, also makes him much more conniving, so it's easier to kind of watch him die later. Yeah. Though he's not conniving, he's not as conniving as the dentist. It's almost like they ease you through it. They're like, oh yeah, first you're going to kill the dentist who's like a total dick, and then Mushnik who's like kind of a dick, and then, well, now you're just killing people you like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have I ever told you that I was in a production of Little Shop of Horrors? Um, I think you mentioned it once. Okay. Maybe twice. Which role do you think I was cast as? Um, Andrew, if you know, don't answer. Bree, how about you answer first? What role do you think I was put in? Audrey. I don't I, know. I'm taking guesses. <laughs> Audrey? I would have been a great Audrey. I would have been a great Audrey. All right, Andrew. He, yeah, he would have been. Um, I feel like you were the dentist. I was. I wanted Seymour so fucking bad, too. And they gave it to, Not like... Not enough. They gave it to the hot kid was the thing. They gave it to, like, the really cute crooner that, like, played piano and stuff. And he, like, it, you do not buy him as a nerd for, like, a second. They switched you guys. You should have been, like, sa- should have been the opposite. Um, but I didn't like being a guy that has to hit a woman. And the girl that was playing Audrey was like, just really hit me. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Just really stupid? hit you. <laughs> It's no, called we acting. We've got to do this three weekends in a row. You're, I'm not well, she doing better, that. She better have six black eyes then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really like um, it's just the gas, but it really does depend on the performance. If you play it too broad, it just kind of feels like a goofy song. But if you like literally play it like you're dying, it's pretty creepy. And I've seen some good interpretations that way. I feel like the one that I saw was playing it like you're dying. It um, all depends. Um, like, Christian Borel does it very, very big and very manic in a very effective way. And then Taryn Killam, who did it in the 2013 Encore's production, also did it very well. Um, it just depends on the kind of mood the show's going for. It just, I feel like it drags on a little long. Oh, I think agreed. they could cut it down. I feel like you can cut the second verse, but the, you miss the gag of where you think he's dead and then he comes back, which is hilarious. I guess, but I don't know if it's funny enough. Mm-hmm. What did you think of MJ Rodriguez as Audrey? Well, Audrey's fine. Audrey too was more impressed by. <laughs> Damn. No, Audrey. Audrey is a boring character, like a like almost like a nothing character i don't i don't really know it's I don't know. love interest <laughs> there's a weird thing with audrey where she's very it's a very tragic situation it she's in she's dating a guy that like beats her regularly and like insults her and she just like i guess that's what i deserve yeah i mean it's absolutely terrible but does she deserve seymour though no th- seymour is like worse they had to put her in a situation so bad that you want her to end up with the mass murderer because it's better. Yeah. I mean, 
do you want her to end up with him or do you want him to get her? She is not a reward. She has more personality to be than what you're giving her credit for. Um, even in like the movie version, Ellen Green plays her very spacey but very sincere. I think it's the sincerity of Audrey that really works and how especially in Somewhere That's Green where she just wants very simple things that she doesn't realize to most people are kind of shitty. Plastic on furniture, a 12-inch screen in the bedroom, like TV dinners. Like, that is her idealized life, which I think does a lot of character building for what little she has already. Yeah. I mean, she's a tragic figure, for sure, but Mm -hmm. I feel like that's all she is. Because, like, everything that happens to her is bad for the entire show. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, Ellen Green plays it very comedic. Like, you're laughing at her when she's saying these things. MJ Rodriguez plays it so sincere, so honest, like, so much that it breaks your heart. Where I think most people laugh at somewhere that's green because it's kind of, what the fuck? This is hilarious. Whereas more recently in that production, it's like, oh, 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 no. It's too relatable now. Yeah. (laughs) And this new production also doesn't take place in the same time setting as most productions or even the movie. In the movie, it feels like it's like 1950s, 60s, same as the stage show. Here it feels like it's either late 90s or present day um, based on costumes and set design. I was getting a present day vibe. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any phones. I did see a disposable camera when Mushnick like pulled it out and all that. Yeah. Which is an interesting take. We don't have to necessarily see phones for it to be present day. I know that that's common, but <laughs> you don't have to. I know. Um, so Audrey 2, the puppet, the, the pink alien creature. I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought that it was really good. Um, I don't think it's better than the movie because the movie, the puppeteering and like the scale that it gives You're is not gonna just top that. so good but in order to try to compete by doing something totally different really smart move mm-hmm. whereas the one off Broadway with Christian Borle and Jeremy Jordan just does the same old shit a guy flapping his arms in a little fly trap yeah which I mean that's what they sort of did in the movie but that's like way better in like every way (laughs) yeah i mean the movie have i went into this a little bit in the first episode but enabled to get the effect of the movie they had to shoot it at super speed so that the movements could track so rick moranis is moving extra slow to get the thing like to make it look like he's matching and he's lip syncing extra slow so that when it moves like logistically we cannot move a puppet as fast as a human can move a mouth so it takes a lot of doing, and it's logistically impossible. It's actually impossible, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... So this is a good medium. Yeah. I think it's really neat how they did it. I'm trying to remember... When it sings, I feel like it's not even really like a mouth, necessarily. No, which I also think um, works. It kind of makes her everywhere. Yeah, it's just like a all-encompassing i mean it even literally has like arms that come out of the sides of the stage and like shit like that which i think is great and makes it scarier um makes it much more dangerous 
Um, so Audrey 2 is usually... Their gender is pretty nebulous. Most time it's played by um, men, though. In this one, it was played by um, Amber Riley, um, who we might recognize from Glee. Um, and she did a fantastic job. <laughs> like, it's the same kind of energy that you'd want from Audrey 2, but a wholly different feel to it. Where was, like, where was the performer? I think she was just off stage. I don't think she ever came on, because that's not usually what you do with Audrey 2. There's never a physical on-stage performer. Well, I mean, I I usually assume that there's, like, someone in the costume on stage They are or never the singer, or rarely the singer. Oh, okay, okay. Because that would fucking exhaust you. Could you imagine hunching over and trying to sing while doing all that? I mean, Jim Henson did it. <laughs> On a TV show. <laughs> Jim Henson did this in a cave with a box of scraps. You're I'm right, not you're Jim right. Henson. No. I, you know, I really like that, though. Can we talk uh, racism? Because this show's know, just, got some racist shit. Then I think that we need to start changing it. Sure, I'm trying to remember what you might be talking about. Go ahead. This, we could always just pull out the meme um, where you could say, oh, there's a racism problem. Yeah, there's a racism problem. It's not racist, it's diverse. But when Seymour says, I go to the nice Chinese man, and they say, Chang Dalu, right after she's, he says that he's Chinese, that's a little, that, that's an easy fix that we could just not have. Does that mean anything, or is that just them, like, doing the Chinese? That's them doing the Chinese, and it's it sucks. We gotta get rid of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I do think the going to the Chinese man to pick something up is just a nod to the, like, gremlins type shit that you see, you know? I mean, if this this predates gremlins a bit, and it's also that's just an uncomfortable trope to begin with... No, I agree. It is. But, I, I don't know. As as this is a parody of the genre, I kind of see why it's there. But, yeah, we don't have to be racist with it. Yeah. Um, it, I'm not sure I'm the right person, but I know in my most recent listen-through, I'm like, ah, oh, I, I always forget that line until I hear it. You literally could just replace it with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's the one thing that has aged poorly about this show. And maybe just, like, Howard Ashman's lyrics for African-American girls, which does tend to lean towards, like, a, a little on a white man's interpretation of black speak, which is awkward at times. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure if I can go so far as to call this show racist. But... I am not calling it racist. I am saying we need to fix these two things. Okay, that's fair. We've but, talked about that stuff with other shows. so Yeah, like Thoroughly Modern Millie is here. nowhere near touching that. But there are things that I'm like, we, we should probably fix that. I'll t tweak that a little bit for the next revival. I'm almost more offended by Modern Millie, though, just because that's such a much newer show. Yeah. This one, it's like, it's the 80s, they were doing a thing, I get what they were doing, but maybe we should change it. Like, this isn't yeah. like, cancel Little Shop, it's more like, hey, we, we can revise shit right now. It wouldn't affect the story at all. Like, literally at all. But literally yeah. not at all. 
I agree. You're you're right. Yeah. Can we just uh, just this story is just so good. <laughs> this musical just, is perfect in every way, and the film is even more perfect. This is um, I feel like every time we cover a a, a horror musical, it's either like one of the best we've ever covered or like just absolute garbage and those are the only two types of horror musicals um and then you got bat boy which is right in the middle i don't know i think bat boy is more leaning towards one of the better ones we've covered but... i think so too but like where does heathers fall on that close to the better ones we've covered okay like i can't but then you of... have then you have like uh the frank wildhorn like Dracula and, yeah. and Jekyll and Hyde, which yeah. is like the worst shit ever. And, <laughs> and then Dear Evan Hansen, know. which is like a horror film in its own way. Well, I'm not. I mean, actual like horror genre stuff. Um, now I'm just like this. To think. This and this and Sweeney Todd are like damn near perfect. Yeah, and <laughs> they both have very good movie adaptations, which are big jumps in adaptation, like. I respect Frank Oz a lot for just hopping in. He's like, I don't want to change much, but I do have to change quite a bit. And he's like, we need a big song at the end. Write us a new song. And every time I watch the stage musical, I miss Mean Green Mother at the end. I really do. And you feel its absence. I don't understand why they don't just add it in. Because it would be very, very difficult to do with the way that they usually do the puppet. Now, the Pasadena Playhouse one... They could yeah, have you easily could do done it. it. Just do it. <laughs> I think it just might be licensing. Like it would be a different show at that point. Yeah, you might you might actually be right. It might literally be getting the licensing for the movie version. Yeah. Versus the stage show. Because I would love I feel like you need it. And cuz in the in the stage show as it is, um Seymour's like I can fight you from the inside and then he just dives into the fucking Venus flytrap and then he dies. Um, yeah. in the Pasadena one he does that and he's fighting tentacles and they overtake him and that's pretty great. That is a pretty good more engaging way to kill off Seymour. Um yeah. but not, neither of them top Mean Greed Mother where he's slowly brought into the mouth and killed in the director's cut. I think that's the only reason why a lot of people thought the stage show was so much better is they didn't have the wonderful director's cut until like 2012. And now we do and that film is perfect. Do not touch that again. Yeah. Like the stage show even without that is still really great. But yeah, I feel like the movie is like the true version of this uh show in some ways, which is almost why we didn't bother to have me watch anything other than the movie but which is why we're doing it today because i think the pasadena playhouse is the only one that's ever been like all right we need to find a new angle at this um and i will say the one good thing james corden ever did in his entire life was invite mj rodriguez and george salazar to sing suddenly seymour on his show when he didn't have to he could have had the more famous people from the off-broadway cast but he really wanted that to be seen and have a little bit of that documented forever which i do thank appreciate. you james corden you did one good thing james corden thank you james corden in a now go in, away yeah in an industry <laughs> that's so like that doesn't have much trans representation going out of your way to show it on national tv that was wonderful yeah who says that we're just haters who the fuck said that no hater aid here 
You know who definitely has Haterade, though? Um, oh, I know who. <laughs> the weirdo's <laughs> over on Letterboxd! You had me for a second. I was like, wait, our patrons aren't haters. <laughs> it's time for our favorite segment. It's previews! It's time for previews! It's time for previews! Um, but this week, we're doing our five stars or one stars quiz between Bree and Andrew, where I go to the letterbox page of the Little Shop of Horrors movie, and I find reviews on letterbox that are either five stars or one what stars. What kind They're... of horrible people are giving this movie a one star? Well, we're going to find out today. Bree, do you want to start since Andrew started last time? I would love to start. All right. You're... Ooh. Okay. This is oh, the that whole... doesn't sound good. This is the whole review. Are you ready? Oh, no. Yes. It is the letter D. <laughs> that is it. Okay. So... It's a Sesame Street rep- reference. <laughs> I'm going to give it five stars. That was a one star. <sighs> what does it mean? D, D for failing. D. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. That makes yeah. sense. I just was very baffled by the letter D. All right, Andrew, your turn. Okay. The full review of the Little Shop of Horrors movie is, what if you smoked it? I'm assuming referring to Audrey too. I don't think you could smoke it. I think it would smoke you. Oh. But um, if you could smoke it, it would probably be five stars. That is five stars. Ding, ding, ding. All right, Bree, your turn. Okay. This one says, I don't like musicals. Dot, 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 except for Mamma Mia. Oh, no. Jess, did you write this? Yeah, did you? <laughs> um, I don't like musicals except for Mamma Mia. Which means that okay, would so exclude. Little Shop of Horrors. But I feel like this is a trick question. Oh I'm no, gonna... she's gonna trick herself into the wrong answer. <laughs> no, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna give it a one one star. All right, that's correct. Ding, 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 ding. Thank God. <laughs> all right, Andrew, your turn. Okay. All right, this is all in caps. Spooktober and dentist slander. Sounds like a five stars to me, but what do I know? <laughs> five stars. That is correct. Hey! <laughs> All right, Bree. Um, this one's a little more vulgar than we're used to. Um, I will say uh, this reads like it has an accent, so I might read it with the accent. Are we ready? Oh, yeah. Lord. <laughs> All right, the full review on Letterboxd is I'd let the plant eat me ass, but I fart first. Farts. Ha 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 ha. out your bum hole. <laughs> Five stars? <laughs> That's a one star. <laughs> I'd let the plant eat me ass, but I'd fart first. <laughs> Farts. Farts. Ha, 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 ha. Poot out your bum hole. I that think is... the, the accent really helped. But, um, <laughs> this is a, not enough because I made he the wrong mean choice. Green from outer space right there. <laughs> that is a mean green mother ass eater from outer space. <laughs> Somebody put me to the best ass eater. All right. <laughs> I don't think that was 
the, the right melody stare there. At it. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> good reference. Good reference, Andrew. Mm. All right, you, your turn. The full okay. review. But it was so cute and harmless. Dot dot. Was it? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, this sounds like someone who didn't understand the movie, so one star. That is correct. Oh, I'm good. I'm getting my ass kicked. <laughs> Better than getting your ass kicked by the plant. <laughs> Guess so. I just feel like I'm good at these. I don't know. All right, Bree, you ready? Yes. Something LGBT ha- just happened to Bill Murray, I think. Five stars. One star. God damn it. <laughs> Isn't that good, though? I don't know. It depends who's tell. writing it. it, it yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Andrew, are you ready? Oh, yes. All right. You know, if I was Seymour, I would just tell Audrey 2 to shut the fuck up. No stupid plan is going to boss me around. I feel like he tries that. <laughs> right? I mean, he, he needs to grow a backbone in general as a human being. Well, he was going to go buy it roast beef. <laughs> go down to Schmendrick's and buy you some roast beef. <laughs> um, Please lose. Five stars? I don't that, know. That is correct. Oh, <laughs> I just literally guessed on that one. <laughs> It's a 50-50. Your turn. Okay. Interesting, period. Very campy and very gay. Five stars. That's a one star. Yeah, well. (laughs) Is it gay? I never never got a gay vibe from Me neither. Not at all. I I mean... I mean, it's fine if you do. I'm not... I mean, I'm just... I've never seen it. That's just our critical opinion. Um, This is much better than reading Ben Brantley. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I don't like losing, but it's fine. But you're gonna win, and you're gonna kick Andrew's ass soon. But I will say... I've gotten one right. I think I've gotten... You've got everyone right. Yeah. I will say, Andrew is the overall winner. No one has ever beaten him. um, I know. Even the other guests. So don't feel too bad. I literally just guess based on gut feeling, so. Okay, so I should do the opposite of my gut feeling. All right, let's see. All right. Um, is it Bree's turn? No, it's Andrew. Andrew. All right, are you ready? Yeah, let's see. Would it be funny if you made a porn parody of this movie and Audrey, Audrey too went, Bree to me, Seymour? Uh, and then you stuck your ass in and you farted. <laughs> Pooch out me bun mole. Okay. Um, five stars if they that want to jerk correct. off to it. <laughs> All right, Bree, your turn. Tell me. What in the actual dot, 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 question mark, period? One star? That is correct. Fucking God. All right, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Seymour Crowborn is an incel. Incels are bad. Incels are bad, which makes me think one star. Um, I don't know if I agree that Seymour is an incel, though it's an interesting take. Um, yeah, we'll go with we'll go with one star. That was a five star. All right, Bree. <laughs> I think this one you might get. Um, oh, thanks. 
The review says, didn't age well. In the age of CGI, this film could have been saved. I was so distracted by the lazy work of Frank Oz. Lazy. Jim- <laughs> I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm Hold a on, one, st- There's one more star. insanity to this review. Jim Belushi is the only credible source of entertainment in this flick, and he just comes a little too late. That is a one star review. I am standing by my one star, so good. Can we just talk about everything wrong with that review? That was CG. There's no CG. Um, Lazy work by Frank Oz. Like, even there's so much work on screen, no matter what, even if you don't like this film. How could you even? That's just, that's insulting. And Jim Belushi is the only good part, showing that they only watch the theatrical version and he's terrible. The wrong Belushi died. All right, let's go. All right, Andrew, you ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm a dentist, and this movie needs a root canal. Um, someone's offended? That sounds like a one star to me. That is correct. All right, Bree. <laughs> yes. Not the horror I was expecting. Five stars. That is correct. All right, last one, Andrew. Okay. Steve Martin, you look so yummy. I'm going to eat you, heart. <laughs> Five stars. That is correct. Yeah, Andrew, once again, you win previews. I've just, uh, I've just done too much. Great job, everybody. Bree, you're gonna nail it next week. I, I, I got. I, I just know it. You're gonna nail it next week. Meaning, I'm gonna in do an really, hour. really good. Um, you know who else does really good? Our patrons. That's right. How about we go into a Mitch show and talk about them? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Hey, Audrey 2 Drew. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Patreon? Patreon is where you could go if you want to donate money to us because of all the great content that we supply with to you for for freeze. But it's not for free. They pay for it. They don't pay for this content, Jess. There's you're more right. content you're on right, Patreon. You're right. You're right. And you, you know can what? Pay for if you want. We only talk to our patrons. You know, like that's just what we're known for. We don't have any Twitter accounts. 
Um, the only way to interact with us or engage with us is on Patreon, apparently. Bitch, I don't talk to anybody. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Bri, the, uh, the only people anyone talks to is me. Even if they think it's you, it's me. If I post on my Twitter, you're, you're blessed. That is my blessing to you. That is honestly true. If Andrew acknowledges you on Twitter, you are blessed. Yes. You, you know what, Andrew? Why don't you bless all these names for us? Oh, Lord. <coughs> Here we go. You're doing the next one, though. Of course. <laughs> Our current patrons are... Melissa Goldman, Terry Needleman, John Donna, Leighton Ackles, Danielle Rennix, Jess the Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Tess Gear, Fire of September, Monica Thoreau, Mina Maniri, Brent Black, Haley Murray, Nathaniel Stacy Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Carrie Ahern, Mary Lou Choquette, John Vanals, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Gracie, To Blam, Kyle Summers, Janae C, Scoot and the Technicolor Dreamcode, Felice A, Liz Lim, Allison Stuller, Nothing is Certain Except Beth and Taxes, John Vanals, Thesbian, Red and Cullen, Wait in the Wings, Raphael Mar. Martina Salas, Robert Benjamin, Rochelle T, Jessica T, Cass, Mitchell Young, Chai Teacup, Katie McDonough, Timothy Keys, Jeffrey Machado, Chris Marcotte, uh, Tim Timimu Robinson, uh, hang on, uh, Kiji Marie uh, Anastasio, Leela, uh, RJ Noriga, Sebastian, Can uh, Sebastian Canino, I gotta move these closer, Avon Regan, Lizzie Keynes, Charlie B., Patrick Deering, Julia McLennan, Courtney Schreiner, Joe, Avery Brinson, Mary, Mary Lynn Brown, Mel Cormack, Thomas W., La Femme Fictionale, and Bjorn uh, Hermans. We love you all so much, and you guys are getting a lot of cool shit over at Patreon. You can see our faces. You can see Andrew struggle through those names. <laughs> I try. Fellas, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> And everyone in betweens, you know I'm trying. Let's cut that little <laughs> line out there. <laughs> Whatever you want. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for donating to us on Patreon. Um, you have your weekly Patreon with cheese stuff. You got a lot of cool shit. Me and Andrew have some fun things playing in the future. He doesn't know this, but I do. Um, there's going to be some cool stuff over at Patreon, so stay subscribed. We're going to have some cool things. Also, we're going to have our monthly like Patreon hangouts, and this this month, we're having it on Friday, October 29th, and there's going to be a Halloween spooktacular with a costume contest. And if you win, you get a $25 gift card. So join our Patreon, do the costume contest. It'll be fun. Me, Andrew, and Bree are going to be judges. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. I actually do want to see some nice costumes. Are you yeah. guys dressing up? Um, we can, but if you dress up, you're we're not eligible for the contest. Well, right. If you're going to dress well, I mean, up, I'd give judges. myself a 10 no matter what. So, Bree, if you dress up, I'll dress up. Okay. As long as I have my costume by then. If you, buy, if you both dress up, I'll have to dress up. You don't have to do a goddamn thing, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you dressed up. You paint a pretty picture just all by yourself, baby. All right. Let's On that note, let's get back to the show. Songs. Good lord. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What a pretty thing to be happening. Look out, look out, look out, look out. Shing-a-ling, shing-a-ling. So the opening number, Little Shop of Horrors, is probably one of the greatest, like, opening numbers that does nothing. <laughs> like, it is the prologue in the most effective way, meaning we get barely any information. It's just fun and just sets the tone. It's like, it's like a title song. Like, because the, the real opener in, like, setting song is Skid Row. Yeah, like, that's a proper opening number, so to say. But this is just, like, a catchy, like, earworm to be like, let's get you ready. It's going to be a little shot it's, of horror. It's literally, it's, it's like they have a credit sequence in a movie where they have a song playing over it. Right. And that's, this is that song. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just talking about the movie right now? No, I mean, even in, even in the stage show, that's still what this song is. Yes. Now, what do you think of the three girls? Um, the the greek chorus if you would um i i mean they don't really have characters but i think that they perform all the songs that they're in pretty well you see i'm gonna (laughs) fight you on this a little bit you think it was bad no 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 i think they have characters in the stage show and in the movie they're kind of removed to be much more nebulous figures where they're actual like people that interact with like Seymour and Audrey and all that in the stage show. They are characters that have names that talk to them. I mean, sort of. I feel like they show up even when they shouldn't be there, though. What do you mean? I mean, they also do that, but they also have conversations with Seymour and tell him about things going on. Yeah. I guess what I mean is that they're sort of characters, but maybe they're kind of also narrator, like Greek chorus, like they're not really characters. I don't really know. 
But in the stage show, um, I do not believe they have names in the movie. They are called uh, Crystal, Ronette, and Chiffon, which are all um, Motown groups. Um, that's their little tribute to that. And I think that also sums up their sound. They're very big tribute to Motown. Um, Howard Ashman was a huge fan of that type of style, as you can see from a lot of his other work, too. In the entire rest of this show. I mean, yes, <laughs> but it's not just in this show. Is it's uh, he's a very eclectic man, Howard Ashman. I mean, as far as like how they're used, it's a good way to fill out a small cast and have other characters that are like extras, basically. I that agree. Are still used elsewhere, but I mean, kind of. You know. But there's not many extras if you think about it uh, in the stage show. No, you got there's really these... there's barely anybody. There's what like the guy that shows up near the end in the reporter that. Interviews Andrew, him? Andrew, Andrew, those are all the same person. That's all the dentist. That's all the dentist. They're all the same. None of no. They have like what six six actors, like total. Yeah, I mean, you got Mushnick, you got Audrey, you got um. Do we even count Audrey too? Um, as far as people that show up on stage. Okay, you got Mushnick, Audrey, Seymour, um, the three girls, um, and the dentist. That's seven people. Total. Yeah, that's a great cast. And I will say, I was really disappointed playing the dentist um, because I didn't like that role, but I did not realize that meant I got to play every single, like, other cast member. So that was a blast, like, running off stage, getting into another costume, and then hopping back on to play another, like, wow, what an interesting plant, and then hopping into a dress and being like, ah, ah, ah. it was a lot of fun to play that role. Um, The dentist is probably the least fun part of doing that. I mean, I feel like you could enjoy The Dentist. The Dentist I, song is one of the most fun songs in the show, if you I do agree, it right. I agree, but also it's very one note. Well, yeah, it's it's literally one joke. Yeah. The character is one joke. After the first <laughs> laugh of you pulling off the, the coat and then revealing the dentist uniform, it's done. The the song, you, you, you hit your one note. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same joke over and over is just that he's extremely sadistic um mm-hmm. and i feel like you can play on that i mean as an actor as an actor you're not given much you're on stage and you're just singing it you're not given props you're not given anything you're given the three girls to react to which isn't it's, much whereas it's just in the film you so well in the movie in the film <laughs> steve martin he got the editing he's got random props everywhere and extra being tortured at every second here you got the three girls and it's like played them in the script much more sexual like the say ah is like much and then now spit like is like a reference to like spitting cum out of your mouth like i feel i almost feel like they removed the sexuality from that in the uh movie which is and the i think right it was move. it was supposed to be there the entire time but i i, I um, prefer it not being there um because i don't uh, i that's a me thing doesn't, though it doesn't make that much sense because that's not what he He's not getting off on it, like, sexually. He no. just likes being a sadist. <laughs> yeah, and that's why they have the Bill Murray scene, which is uh, in the movie, which is a tribute to Jack Nicholson, who played that role in the original Roger Corman film. Yeah, the uh, person who likes it. <laughs> yeah, and that's a real... It's. I don't think Bill Murray's very good in the movie, but I think the Jack Nicholson scene is hilarious. It's like the only scene I've ever seen from the uh, original movie. That's the only scene worth seeing in the original movie probably um so skid row the proper opening number this is 
fantastic. Like, it does so much work. It's an I Want song for all the lead characters. I love it. This song is flawless. Then you go downtown where the folks are what's amazing about this show is that every single song is like just great (laughs) even the ones that i don't like as much are very good in what they're doing this the like these two opening songs are like just phenomenal though um just and i don't know i feel like it gets better i I don't know (laughs) i i love this song it's weird that we don't have like I mean, we do, though. Like, it does a lot of, like, background story work and all that. It paints the world very well. However, I think it is never topped as well as the movie because of the glory, glory of editing and how it can decide what to show you and what not to show you. Um, Frank Oz is a brilliant director that doesn't get enough respect as a director as he does as being like Yoda or a puppeteer or Fozzie Bear and all that. But if you've watched any of his other directorial films outside of Little Shop of Horrors, he is very good and very talented. Even his Muppet movies are better than the ones directed by Jim Henson because he's a good director. He's one of the best musical theater filmmakers ever on the planet. Like the way he moves the camera, especially during this scene, is so incredible in a way where people are like oh yeah the puppet no 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 the the filmmaking technique i feel like you're just we're just gonna keep doing this yep the movie is just the definitive version it is the director's cut (laughs) like maybe seven years ago the stage show would have been a better definitive version now that we have that wonderful director's cut not much not much can compare to it I think that this new version of it, though, mm-hmm. is worth seeing. I wish it was still playing. I'm sure it will come back, question mark? I think they're <laughs> going to stick with like the original Howard Ashman version forever, uh, which is lame as fuck. It's actually a shame, because I feel like it's it. this lends itself better to um, the like stage environment. But I agree. I also think that they could have added uh, Mean Green Mother with that new puppet. <laughs> it would have worked have very to well. The mouth move. Um, let's talk about Mushnik and Son, since we did not cover that in the original episode we did, which is also a very underrated, very difficult to perform song. How would you like to be my son? How 
Would you like to be my own adopted boy? I never liked him much before, but count the cash that's in the drawer. I got no choice of much to pour. Say yes. What for? Seymour, I want to be your dad. I want to see you climbing up my family tree. I used to think you left the stench, but now I see that you're immense. So I'm proposing be my son. Moshnik and son. Sounds great. Three words with the ring of fate. So say. Is it difficult to perform? I didn't even think of it. I just thought it was a it was a good laugh. <laughs> it is, but it's also a lot of character motivation there and a lot of character interaction. You could play it very sad, you can play it very funny, you can play it broad, you can play it evil. And it's finding the right one for your production. Yeah. Um I think the one that I saw it gave a lot of um I don't. I don't think you'd say evil or anything like that. But it's. It's definitely the. The motivation is. Um, Mushnik is basically tricking him. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. It's almost. It's interesting though, because you sort of see him as like this greedy sort of businessman type who doesn't really care about anyone else. But if you are contrasting it, like Seymour is a. Uh, going to murder a bunch of people for his uh, business <laughs> for his business interests so yeah Our, <laughs> I mean Seymour is basically Evan Hansen doing horrible horrible things to get a girl let's let's be clear here Bree's got something to say she brought the mic down we've closed the book boys <laughs> I mean here at least that comparison's apt and it shows that you can follow a character that does morally reprehensible things and still enjoy the piece overall well, yeah. I mean, that's because the framing is there. Yeah. The he show also is... has a true, like... He fucking not a rede- he's, he's not a rede- It's not a redemption, but it's like a true... Like, Comeuppance. He, he realizes what he did was so wrong that he basically tries everything he could possibly do to fix it, and he can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he gets murderized, and it's great. Yeah. It's just it's it's just framed better. I mean, it, mm-hmm. we don't have to get it. We, we're done with that. That's yeah. over. We've already done the perfect episode on it, and we everyone did. agrees with us now. <laughs> so we've changed the world with that episode, but it's not posted yet as of the recording of this. Um, no, I mean it's been posted for two weeks. Everyone agrees with us. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about the uncomfortable stereotyping of Mushnik? Ah. <sighs> Do we have to? <laughs> he is a Jewish person. The song is very fiddler leaning, um, with a lot yep. of klezmer stylings. And as you said, he is a greedy businessman, only worried about money, and will only make someone his child if it suits him business wise. There's some uncomfortable stereotyping there, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but. <laughs> I feel like Mushnik, at his core, is kind of a likable character, in a way. He's like a Mr. Krabs, <laughs> you know? Like, I, he's not, like, evil, and his business is actually failing, um, you know? So you, you understand his motivations. It's not like he's just, like, already rich and just money-grubbing, you know? Like, 
he realizes that without Seymour, he is going to fail business-wise, and he just knows that it's in his best interest to keep Seymour around. I don't know. <laughs> um, I am not Jewish. I am very much a Gentile, but I would be interested in a Jewish reading of Little Shop of Horrors if someone wanted to do one. Sure. I'm not saying there's nothing there. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> All right. You heard him. You heard him, guys. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an expert in these things. I suppose we'll get... I I personally wasn't reading that much into it, and it does. It certainly doesn't feel like a Nazi wrote it. <laughs> no. You know? Howard Ashby is definitely not a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think they're trying to say something like, oh, you know how those Jewish people are. Like, I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I think they just rely on stereotypes for shorthand and storytelling, which is lazy. Lazy, but not necessarily racist. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not one to say what's racist. Um, Let's talk about Feed Me slash Get It. Actually, no. Uh, We talked about them in the first episode. It's a good song. Let's talk about Now It's Just the Gas. I know we brought this up a bit. Don't be... Fooled if I should giggle like a sappy, happy dope. It's just the gas. <laughs> it's got me high. But don't let that fact deceive you. Any moment I could die. <laughs> Though I giggle and I chortle, bear in mind I'm not immortal. Why this whole thing strikes me funny, I don't know. Because <laughs> it really is a problem. an ethical dilemma unless I help him get the mask removed he doesn't have a prayer true the gun was never fired but the way events transpired I can finish him with simple as a fair what we have here is a tricky moral problem do I help remove the mask or let him go for lack of air couldn't shoot him when I tried but the fates are on my side I can off the guy by staying in the chair I mm. I love this song I love this song I love performing it it's so much fun Sure. Performing it maybe is fun. I had to watch it, though, and it's like, (laughs) it's long. It's too long. Just die already. My God. I wish it was in the movie. It's like the only song cut from the stage show that I wish was in the movie. Just because I want Steve, I think Steve Martin would have nailed this song for one. I mean, he nails Dentist so well. I, I gotta say, and I don't usually talk about performances or anything. Yeah. Dentist in the in the version that you gave me, mm, it di- just didn't cut it for me. Why? Well, I mean, I don't think anyone can cut it because the I know. I, I think I'm spo- that, I think I'm spoiled, like spoiled rotten. I, this is a rare thing, and Bree, I don't think you've ever heard us talk like this about a film version of a musical where the film adaptation is so good it almost ruins the original show because it'll never live up. Yeah, I've never heard well, you guys talk like that. It's extremely rare because, you know, usually when you get a film adaptation of it's a garbage. musical, it's complete shit. Uh, <laughs> and they fuck up everything. 
like including just basic filmmaking techniques somehow <laughs> they like, forget how to make a movie but just because it's a musical they're like oh it's a musical oh well i don't know how to make a movie so <laughs> <laughs> they pick the one guy that doesn't know how to make a movie and yet frank oz just a guy that does puppets at this point in his career maybe who did like one film beforehand it was a muppet movie is given this and knocks it out of the park more than any other filmmaker ever has with a movie adaptation of a musical you know why that is though because why? the muppet movies are musical movies that are good they're so stylized they rely <laughs> on editing they rely on puppeteering and new advanced special effects but they're musicals they are i mean they're not like true musicals that you could put on stage but no. like they do they have songs are and music numbers, numbers and like he knew what he was doing <laughs> yeah he fucking aced it. Um, yeah, Dentist just didn't do it for me in the stage show. And I I don't think... I, I don't want to say, like, the actor was bad. Because no. I don't think that's what it is. I think it was just... Jesus Christ, you can't top that the movie version of that. You can't top Steve Martin, um, who is a song and dance man. We know that because we love Bright Star so much. Threw the baby we off the train. love Bright Star. We love throwing babies off of trains. Um, and we... <laughs> we love the end act one. I'm still baffled by that musical. We love Bluegrass so much. Um, but now it's just the gas. Yeah, I guess I would have liked to at least seen like a deleted scene or something like have a, a version of steve martin doing it you know i i that doesn't even exist though i don't think no no honestly it's a really really rough situation to be in um one song i do want to talk about that is mostly cut from the movie but i think should have stayed in it was shot for the movie um and it's one of my favorite songs in the musical is the meek shall inherit forget the cable we sent you it's nice to meet me, the pleasure is yours Now let my firm represent you We want to book you on lecturing tours <laughs> College campus rotary club The kind of bookings my office can do Show the plant and talk, answer questions It's educational, lucrative too My future's starting, I've got to let Stick with that plant in G, my bank account will thrive. What am I saying? No way, forget it. It's much too dangerous to keep that plant alive. I take these offers, that means more killing. Who knew success would come with messy, nasty strings? I sign these contracts, that means I'm willing. So this is like Seymour coming to terms with like his moral dilemma of, oh my God, I have to keep killing people and this plant just keeps on eating people. I'm so fucked. I'm so fucked. I need to destroy the plant. And he's like, but then what if Audrey doesn't like me and you kind of get why he signs the contracts? And it's this dark thing going on. But 
as a person that has played the dentist during this song, I run in as the first reporter, do my quick line. Um, there's the chorus, and in that chorus, I have to change into a different outfit as people are throwing different <laughs> things on me, and then I run out there and play a different role. It is so much fun. <laughs> I know this is dumb, but oh my god, that song is so fun to watch, and like the result is almost always seamless. Um. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fine song. I can see why they didn't need it in the movie. I but. will say the way they shot it in the movie is good. Like, they had it as a very good scene, um, and it looks like it costs a lot of money because he's, like, in this dream world where there's, like, blood dripping out of the portrait from, of Mushnik, and it's a, it is as good a scene as any of the other musical numbers in the film. Like, it's edited perfectly. It does everything you would expect. Um, Rick Moranis sells it. Um but it was probably just a time thing, which sucks because the scene's really good. Yeah. But you don't miss it. You And you're watching the movie, you're like, oh, okay, that's gone. And then you move on and the life's good. It's also like the, it is it is the moment where, where Seymour could conceivably turn back before he causes too much damage. Yes, um, which I think you almost need that consideration and you miss it a little bit. You get it a lot in Rick Moranis' face, but I feel and like... That's why I'm saying maybe you don't need it in the movie as much because everything is close up and you can see like the expressiveness and Rick Moranis is doing a great job in that movie, so... Yes. Um, but on stage, you definitely need it. So, Bree, we're going to pause for a second because I want to talk about the movie and the issues therein um with the ending specifically so in the stage show it ends with um everyone dying and the plants taking over the world um which is a pretty fine ending for a stage show because all the plants are coming out into the audience and it's fun and everyone's like ah it's scary for the movie um it's 1986 they film it just as it was on the stage show um everyone dies it's really really sad and the plants take over the world and there's this really expensive like song number that ends it with plants destroying the world and then bursting through the film camera and then looking like it's coming at the audience and they got the worst like audience feedback reviews during like production it's like we do not want this movie this movie is bad because of that ending we hate the ending so much which they, they did... shouldn't they shouldn't have listened to them i Ugh. know Test screenings where three different ones in LA where people are like, nope, we can't do it. And Frank Oz is like, I should, I guess I didn't make it funny enough. Everyone played it too serious. So now I. Bandy's not supposed to be funny. It's a horror comedy. <laughs> it, he's like, I really didn't want to do it. But then it was basically forced on us by the studio. Howard wrote this new ending and he just defeats the plant in one foul swoop and they have a happy ever after. And that was the movie until 2013. 12 when they released the director's cut and that is like the best version of this movie which one do you think is better like just as an idea like do you understand where an audience might come from there um for not wanting the ending where everybody dies and the plants take over yeah um no i don't know i guess maybe if they were like they just loved, you know, Seymour so much that they wanted to see him, like, doesn't, continue. But he doesn't sound... I don't know. He doesn't sound I, like a great character. <laughs> do I remember this right, or does Audrey live as well? Yeah, she lives too. Yeah, no, you can't... That You can't do that. They get that married ending is horrible. They, yeah, they did some insert shots of Audrey during Mean Green Mother, and then they just... No, that's, that is a terrible ending. Like, they... That, why would you do that? 
<laughs> I feel thing- like for that genre, and I don't know why. Why do you need a happy ending? Why does everything have to well, have a, a Hollywood happy ending? It's a, it's an allegory too. It's like a Faustian bargain. What, what, what are you trying to say when he just gets what he wanted anyways? Like. No consequences. <laughs> he killed two. He killed two people. <laughs> um, Frank Oz also blamed it on the power of a close-up. Where if you're in the back of a theater and there's the bows at the end and you see everyone all right, you kind of are like, okay, that's fine that they died in the story, but you don't get that. You never see them again. They're just gone and dead from the movie. Um, and the power of close-ups and the power of empathy is more strong in film than it is on stage because you don't have that level of like that fourth wall just do those like inserts that you do in the credits where you show the character <laughs> and then the actor the actor waves <laughs> problem solved <laughs> you know what andrew you did it you you, you solved the problem frank oz couldn't 20 30 years later i think shrek really solved it <laughs> shrek didn't do that actually the, it shrek did the fourth um, far- did that Farquaad comes back even though he was eaten by the dragon uh, and he he waves at the camp at the audience what? <laughs> no he didn't I think he's I think he sings in the in the karaoke yes he does uh, but are contest. you referring to Shrek 4d where he shows up as a ghost no I'm not referring I've never seen Shrek 4d which is an ex- uh, amusement park exclusive <laughs> no it isn't it, they literally <laughs> released it on DVD it's on Netflix right now we could watch it oh fuck I don't want to watch it. <laughs> Literally, we could just turn this off and watch Shrek 4D right now. What are we doing? <laughs> um, all right, you guys. This was a wonderful revisit of Little Shop of Horrors, but I think it's that time. And fuck, fuck me. All right, hey guys. This was a great revisit of Little Shop of Horrors, but how about we talk about our overall thoughts and our cheese ratings? Andrew, why don't you start? Um. It's a uh, well. I'll, I'll talk about the the stage show specifically that we saw. I really like it. I love the different uh, style of puppet that they decided to use, um, and I think that it's a, a great stage show. I still think the movie is just kind of the perfect version, but I think that there is some merit to reimagining uh, the stage show still because it's still fun to watch. Um, I don't remember what cheese rating I gave it. Um, where is our keeper of the cheese? Um, if you're willing to give me a second, I can pull it up for you. Uh, because I don't want to give it a different cheese rating, because honestly, we've already done You know what? That's, <laughs> already that, that is a fair-ass point. Um, Bree's got to give us a new <laughs> cheese rating. So, Bree, what is your cheese rating of our discussion? This discussion was so much fun, um... I'm glad you guys, you know, are righting your wrongs by going back and telling the truth and coming here and talking about the stage uh, production. And um, because you guys didn't do that, right? You watched the movie, correct? Yeah, even though we still spent half of this episode talking about the movie. Because the movie's just so flipping good. I am going to make sure I watch the movie now because I've never actually seen it. Um, Bree, we should have a movie night where you just come over. I'll bring out the projector. We'll do it. It'll be fun. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it a Munster cheese because I like Ooh. Munster cheese and I Seymour like this discussion. <laughs> and Seymour is a Munster. You're right. Um, wow. Wow. Andrew. What did I give it? You gave it cheddar 
but apparently I didn't give it a cheese rating. Oh my god, that is cringe. I'm, I'm still keeping the cheddar. I know we said never to do cheddar again, um, but I'm only giving it cheddar because I gave it that before, so cheddar is still good. Um, yeah, I guess I gotta think of my own cheese rating, because I didn't even give it one. Um, I guess I, the only cheese rating I can really give it is green cheese is a fresh cheese that is not thoroughly dried or aged, which is white in color and usually has a round shape because it's a mean green mother from outer space and I'm bad. <laughs> I see what you did, man, and it was good. It, it worked. Um, Juliet, please update that as my previous um, little shop thing because you know, I, I did not realize how many episodes early on that I just did not give cheese ratings to. I did not start giving cheese ratings until episode 10. What? And I did not start doing it consistently until episode 18. Holy shit. I did not know this. This is news to me as well. That is redonkulous. Um, but do you know who else is redonkulous? Um, our patrons? Oh, wonderful patrons. Thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Musicals with Cheese. We're on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. Patreon Musicals with Cheese. Instagram Musicals with Cheese. We are our YouTube pages, Musicals with Cheese. We have a patron-only podcast called Patreon with Cheese. Check that out. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our title card is created by the amazing Jolene Casco. Go send her some love at Jolene Casco. Our keeper of the cheese, who we love very much, is Juliet Antonio. Thank you very much, Juliet. You're the best. This show is produced by the wonderful, the incredible, one of my best friends in the entire world, Brianna Jones. We love you so much, Brianna. We're so glad you're here. We've missed you so much. Our wonderful theme songs were created by Robin Nash of IOU Music UK. So go check their stuff out. All right, you guys. Oh, wait. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform. We love you so much. Yes. And not kicking us off for killing a dentist and Mr. Mushnick. Anything else we got to say, guys? Go watch uh, Little Shop. It's fucking Halloween time. Let's go. Yeah, there's not many Halloween musicals. I'm, I, I, I can't wait to force Bree to watch it. It's going to be a blast. All right, you guys. We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Little shop, 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 I don't know the words. Shang-a-lang. This will all be cut. Okay, let me do another line read then. Our senior and junior shtick through thin and through thick. Hey, through sloppy and slick. So come kiss me, Swick. Oh, don't make me sick. Mush, Nick, and son. Bravo. What a beautiful performance. That one's staying I played, in. I played both the roles. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.